Block KC, how we doing tonight? Let's get some hype. Hey, guys, can we give it up for Scott's high school basketball career? Give it up for him. Oh, he, he wasn't in the room. Give it up for him again. Hey, so like Scott said, we are talking tonight about Headspace. We are wrapping up our series. Uh, my name is Nick Swearingen. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, I would love to do that. Uh, but throughout this series, we've been talking about all of the struggles that young adults go through in our mental health. We've taken a look at things like uh, insecurity. We've taken a look at things like depression and anxiety. And how do we succeed in dealing with these different headspaces that we find ourselves in? And so, again, speaking of negative headspaces, I'm going I'm to tell you guys about something that was really, really hard for me as a kid. Swimming lessons. Okay, swimming lessons was awful for me as a child, right? Like really, really freaked me out. I have no clue why, uh, but I was about four or five years old when my mom and dad said, hey, we're gonna put you in swimming lessons. Every single time I would like scream, I would cry, and I would just like beg my mom not to make me get in the pool. I am still not sure to this day why I was so afraid of swimming lessons, but uh, my mom and I actually joke about it no, like now. She, she was such a patient lady, like dealing with me throughout all that. And I'm like, mom, like how did you put up with that? She's like, I'm not really sure to be honest with you. Which is great when you know that your mom is barely able to put up with you. That's how you know that you really stretch the limits. Uh, but to this day, just so you guys know, I can swim, okay? Just to make that clear, I can swim now. Don't clap for that. <laughs> That's a basic, that is a basic human skill. Uh, <laughs> While I can swim, though, it's really exhausting because I never really learned the discipline of how to cut through the water correctly. Uh, I've been told that I look like a boxer fighting the water. Uh, I've been told that I look like I am actually trying to grapple the water to move myself forward, which doesn't really work if you think about how swimming should be done. Um, but basically, any time that I end up swimming, I end up, you know, drinking about half the pool. I never figured out the whole turn your head to the side to breathe thing, so I don't really breathe for the entire lap. It's really just not good, like straight up just not good. And so as a result, every single time I get done, I need a pizza, I need a movie, and I just want to lay down and take a nap. Like that is me after swimming. I am just like utterly exhausted. And guys, I am in shape, right? Like I'm a runner. Like I have good cardio. I try to take care of myself. So it's not like it's, it's necessarily something I can't do. It's just something I never really put in the work of doing. Contrast that, though, with my brother-in-law, who recently married into my family. The dude is an amazing swimmer. Like, he looks so graceful when he cuts through the water. It's like he's a fish. It's not even fair, right? Like, he, he swims, and he just, it looks like the water is the one pulling him along. I'm like, how do you even do that? But it's because he was a high school swimmer, and he actually went to state doing all this swimming. So it's funny because he knows all the disciplines of how to swim and when to breathe, and he's done the hard work. And so when he gets out of the pool, he's on top of the world, right? Unlike me, I'm on top of a pizza on the couch, right? I'm like just utterly exhausted. But the idea of discipline is what we're going to be exploring tonight. Because all of us are going to go through hard times, like the pool. <laughs> but, but the question is, that was really funny to me. I don't know why. The question is, though, how are we going to come out of those difficult circumstances? Are we going to come out of those times like me, exhausted and tired and angry and just fed up with going through these difficult things? Or are we going to come out of this difficult circumstances like my brother-in-law, refreshed and ready to go? It honestly sounds kind of impossible, right? 
It's like, man, how could you come out of a difficult circumstance like better than ever? And that's what we're going to be talking about. I think no more was a, no more maybe as a good example was this idea of a difficult circumstance for a headspace scene than the COVID-19 pandemic, right, during like isolation. Have you guys heard of the term COVID brain? And, and no, I'm not talking about like when you actually have COVID. Like, of course, you're tired. Your body is fighting an illness. I'm talking about like that kind of lethargic, like tired, exhausted, angry, just kind of unpleasant mindset that so many of us found ourselves in during lockdown. Like you just kind of wake up and you're like, ugh, not this again. And you're just tired and you're angry and it's like, man, what is that, go- what is like, what's happening? Because our circumstances were so difficult. That's what we're talking about tonight. Uh, according to a Census Bureau study, they found that 60% of people our age experienced symptoms of anxiety or depression during the COVID-19 pandemic. 60%, which means there's a good chance that if you're in this room, you struggled with that. Or maybe, you know, that, that, that's not something that was hard for you in that time, but there's other painful circumstances that you've been through. And hey, sorry to be the one that keeps bringing up COVID, right? Like everyone's like, can we please just not talk about it for one day, please? We're going to talk about it a little bit more. Because the reason is that we have to explore how we navigate painful circumstances. Because if we, if we never deal with how we cope, we're never going to move forward in those things. If we never do the discipline of finding out how do we go through difficult circumstances in a healthy way, we're never going to be able to face those difficult circumstances in the future. Because I, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but hard times are going to come, right? And I pray it's not another pandemic, but you will face difficulty in your personal life, in your family, in your relationships, in your careers, and maybe even as a nation. The question is, though, are you going to come out of those times like me coming out of the pool, exhausted, angry, tired, and you can't breathe? Or are you going to come out like my brother-in-law, fit, ready, energized, tired, but energized and ready to go to take on the next thing that life has for you. Again, like I said, it sounds impossible, doesn't it? But we're going to look at a story tonight of a young man named Daniel and his friends and how they trusted God. Because they were truly in like a real terrible circumstance. They lived in the kingdom of Judah in 600 BC and had just been conquered by the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar. And they were taken far away as captives to serve this king that had just came in and conquered them. So, like, if you can imagine a foreign nation coming in and taking over and taking a a, a select few of you all the way across the world to serve in an entirely different country, basically as a captive, right? Like, that's awful. But but this is the situation they found themselves in, and we're going to see how they come out of that stronger than ever. And so, if you're not familiar with the Bible, hey, we at The Block, we love helping young adults build their life on what counts. We sincerely believe that that is through a relationship with God. And we're going to be taking a look at the Bible tonight. If you're new to reading the Bible, I just want to let you know that this is in, you're in the right place. Like we're going to break it down together. We're going to walk through it. And a lot of times the Bible can be hard because it's like, man, what did guys who lived like, you know, 2,700 years ago have to do with me? Like how is that relevant to us? And it can be kind of hard to see, man, how do these things apply to us today? And so I want want to help you guys see that these guys were real guys. And um, it says in in, in Daniel, it says that they're well, like they're well-built, good-looking guys. And so I don't know why, but as I've been reading this and getting ready to talk tonight, I've kind of been imagining different actors 
as some of the different characters. So I'm just going to walk you guys through so you can have a, a mental image of Daniel and his boys and some of the other characters just as we're, you know, as we're talking. And I had to choose guys that were well-built and good-looking. So uh, Daniel's going to be played by Michael B. Jordan, right? Good-looking guy. I, it's just, I don't make the rules. It's just true. Hananiah, I think Devin Booker. I could get some hate for that one. Some Suns fans, or uh, not a lot of people are actually Suns fans. So, uh, hey, he's a good-looking guy, okay? I don't make, again, I don't make the rules. It's just true. Uh, Mishael, I think Tom Holland, looking very serious. But I think he's a great guy to play Mishael, as you guys will all see. Real Tom guy. Uh, and the last guy, Azariah, I think he's got to be our guy, Harry Styles. Right? We, just, we had to choose good-looking, well-built guys. Uh, so King Nebuchadnezzar needed someone to play him, right? Uh, he's also well-built. I think The Rock, right? Oh, come on. The Rock. There we go. He's, he's just a good King Nebuchadnezzar. You can just imagine it, right? And then finally, there's this guy, Ashpenaz, and he's the guy who's going to be looking over Daniel and kind of training them. And it, it's got to be Danny DeVito, and you'll see why as soon as we get into the story. But I want you guys to see, like, these were real people. Right? These are real people going through a real difficult circumstances, and we're going to see how they come through in a better headspace than before. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Uh, God, I, I, just, I thank you for everyone that's here tonight. Um, God, I pray that as we are listening to your word, God, help us to apply it to our lives. And God, would you help us to see our need for you? Um, God, all of us have had difficult circumstances. All of us have had things that have been painful and, and have put our headspaces just in downward spirals, God. And I pray that as of tonight, you would bring healing. Um, God, I pray that as we're being challenged, you would encourage us to respond to the challenge. God, help us to uh, have the trust in you to be able to respond in the way that you want us to. And God, I pray that as I'm speaking, that, that you would give me the strength as you always have. And God, that I would rely on you and that you would communicate clearly through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So quick recap. King Nebuchadnezzar has just come in. He's conquered the kingdom of Judah. He's, like, destroyed a lot of it, and that's where we're picking up. So it's Daniel 1, chapter 3, or chapter 1, verse 3, rather. Uh, the king commanded Ashpenaz, or the king commanded Ashpenaz. There we go. Just got to get it in your minds, right? Who was in charge of his court officials to choose some of the Israelites who were of no royal and noble descent. Young men in whom there were no physical defect and who were handsome, well-versed in all kinds of wisdom, well-educated and having keen insight, and who were capable of entering the king's royal service to teach them the literature and the language of the Babylonians. So basically, to sum that up, the rock told Danny DeVito to take some of the nobles of the Israelites captive and train them to speak Babylonian and train them to know all the Babylonian books that had happened. There you go. Books happened. I'm real clever with that one, right? Uh, so next, so the king assigned them a daily ration from his royal delicacies and from the wine he himself drank. They were to be trained for the next three years. At the end of the time, they were to enter the king's service. As it turned out, among these young men were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But he gave to Daniel the name Belshazzar, Hananiah he named Shadrach, Mishael he named Meshach, and Azariah he named Abednego. So 
in that time, right, when a nation would conquer another nation, a lot of times what they'd do is they would just come in and destroy everything. Like, that was kind of the MO. The Assyrian Empire, if you're a big history buff, I love history, right? The Assyrians kind of predated the Babylonians. Their thing was like, we're going to come in to this opposing nation that we have conquered, and we're just going to utterly obliterate it. Like, we're going to destroy the fields, we're going to burn down the cities, we're going to kill everyone. Like, that's kind of their thing. Super violent, super bloodthirsty. The Babylonians were a little more crafty than that because, see, they saw that there was something to be ruled in that land, right? And they they realized that they didn't want to destroy it because there were some riches that they could exploit from every country that they had conquered. So what they would do is they would come in and they would take some young nobles or princes the best and the brightest of the land, and they would export them back to Babylon. And then they would try to brainwash them by giving them everything that they could want. Right? The king, he said, hey, they can eat from my food. The king had the best food in the entire land. Right? And so they would try to say, hey, look at how great Babylon is. Hey, look at how amazing it is. And they would even take away their identities. It says that they gave them new names. So they would, stay, they would steal everything from these people and try to retrain them and brainwash them as Babylonians say, hey, you've been through a really hard time. Here, let us feed you. Let us take care of you. Just go nuts. Like, have whatever you want. Like, here's the best wine. Here's the best food. I don't know where the phrase wine and dine came from, but I'm pretty sure this is it. Right? They're essentially just whining and dining them. So uh, imagine if this is you. Right? Like, imagine that a foreign nation has just come in has conquered your country, probably killed some of your family members, has taken you away, and has taken away everything, even your name. And you don't have your friends, or barely any friends. You don't have anything familiar around you. And that's the situation that you find yourself in. And then someone comes in and says, hey, here's a massive steak and a full glass of wine. Like, just have at it. This is going to solve all your problems. It sounds kind of nice, right? It's like, man, that's, yeah. That is great. Thank you. I am hungry. And the temptation is just like, oh, like, I'm just going to start to binge on all this food. And all the food that they give me, I'm just going to keep eating and eating and eating. And eventually, it's like, man, through eating and just binging on all this wine and this food, it's like, man, my problems, they kind of seem farther away. Right? And it takes time. But eventually, you start to think, man, Babylon is pretty great. They feed me. They've given me this sweet new name. Right? Like, I didn't even like my old name afterwards. And that's what the Babylonians would do. And that is exactly what hard circumstances do to us now. Our minds and the world around us tries to convince us that we need to binge for comfort. That if you just do what everyone else does, you'll be happy. Right? That painful thoughts in our minds can only be answered through pleasure. And, but those coping mechanisms, the, the tough thing is that they only ever really cover up the pain temporarily. Right? It never really deals with the root issue. A a study done at the University of Texas at Austin has linked binge consumption of media and depression. Uh, After surveying hundreds of of folks aged 18 to 34, people our age, they discovered a correlation between excessive and marathon media consumption and feelings of depression, loneliness, and guilt. I'm like, hey, uh, I didn't need you to do a study to tell you that when I watch TV for eight hours, I don't feel too hot, right? But apparently people do this. But it's, it's true. But, but somehow we think, man, if I just watch another season of Euphoria, like if I just rewatch it, I'll be happy. I don't actually know what Euphoria is. I just saw it. Like if I just scroll through my phone a little bit, like then I'm going to be happy. That's what I kind of need to calm myself down after a stressful day. 
And, and maybe it's not media for you. Maybe it's pornography or it's just another hinge date. And you kind of think, hey, like some self-pleasure or just quick intimacy, like a one-night stand, like that's going to make me feel better. That's going to get me the healing I need. Or maybe if I just find some guy or find some girl to flirt with for a little bit, like that's going to make me feel better. But you end up feeling worse than ever, and then you just need more and more and more, and you're not entirely sure why. Maybe for you it's sports betting or bin shopping. Your Amazon cart is basically a revolving door. Because whenever life gets painful or your headspace hurts, you think that buying something or winning some quick cash will help. But it never really heals the issue, does it? It never really, it, it never really solves it. It's like, man, I can go treat myself one day, but it, it never really gets to the root of why I'm feeling sad or why I'm feeling angry or why I'm feeling frustrated. Just think about what this is for you. Think about what's that thing that you go to for comfort or pleasure when you're stressed instead of God. I want you to take a moment and, th and think about that right now. Because all of us have them. And, and so we have to identify what these are. Take a moment, think about it. See, even good things can become coping if they're excessive. Right? Music is mine. I love music. I love playing guitar. I love playing piano. I love listening to music. And if I'm having a tough day, it's like, man, I just want to go play guitar. Or I just want to go play piano. But if I use it to cope, it doesn't really help, right? Maybe for you, like, maybe it's working out. Like, the guy who works out all the time but never deals with his problems or his negative headspace, right, he's not actually just being disciplined. He's coping, right? Or, like, the girl who's, like, so focused on positive thinking. And, like, I'm not going to think about the painful things. I'm just going to focus on positive things, Right? It's like in the moment that seems good, but it never really deals with the root issue. And so these good things, it's like, man, it doesn't really ultimately help. And, and some of us just bend straight up on negative thoughts. Right? Like some of us, you, you know you've been there, right? It's like, man, I'm angry right now, and I'm just going to keep letting myself get angrier and angrier. And I'm just going to kind of get high on this negative energy, and I'm just going to let my mind spiral, or I'm just going to kind of throw myself deeper and deeper in the pit because for some reason in the moment it feels good. And we let our minds run rampant and we, sp they, we spiral. And we get really spiteful and hateful. And we would never tell anyone, right? We would never tell anyone. Someone asks us how your day is going, you're like, oh, it's really good. <laughs> you know, we would never do that. But inside we're hurting. And we start to think that, like, man, if everyone would just do everything that I wanted, then we would be fine, right? Like, if everyone just listened to me, then I would be happy, right? If everyone just did everything that I wanted, then we would be good. And, guys, we know that that's the opposite of discipline. Discipline is defined uh, as whatever training or education that cultivates our bodies and souls, especially by correcting mistakes and controlling intense desires. That's the definition that the Bible gives about discipline. And if we aren't disciplined, we never really learn to grow through our circumstances. Instead, we just end up coping and covering over our issues. When we just make life easier for ourselves through scrolling, through drugs, through selfish relationships, we just kind of get complacent, right? And so it's like, okay, well, Nick, then what do we do? Well, let's take a look at what Daniel chooses to do when he's going through this painful time. Because, like I said, hard situations are going to choose you to do one of two things. Trust yourself and whatever you want in that moment or trust God. And so imagine the stress and the anger and the pain that Daniel and his friends are in. 
and we're going to see how they choose to trust God through discipline. So uh, it says that Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the royal delicacies or the royal wine. He therefore asked the overseer of the court officials, or Danny DeVito, for permission not to defile himself. Then God made the overseer of the court officials sympathetic to Daniel. Can't you just see Danny DeVito telling Michael B. Jordan, like, I like you, kid. That's a terrible Danny DeVito. That was awful. I shouldn't have chosen that. But it says that God made him sympathetic to Daniel. And he responded to, the Daniel, or he responded to Daniel, I fear my master, the king. He is the one who has decided your food and drink. What would happen if he saw that you looked malnourished in comparison to the other young men your age? If that happened, you would endanger my life with the king. So, so Daniel says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create this test. And Daniel spoke to the warden whom the overseer of the court officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for 10 days by providing us with some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who are eating the royal delicacies. Deal with us in light of what you see. So the warden agreed to their proposal and tested them for 10 days. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he's letting everyone cope with excessive food and wine and the pleasures of the kingdom. Anything just to, to show them like that Babylon is better. Because Babylon in the Bible is always the epitome of humans trusting in ourselves over God. It's, it's people saying, God, I don't need you. I'm going to do my own thing and solve my own problems. Anytime you see anything about the Babylonian way of life, it's always a, a just a, an example of humans saying, hey, we are better than God. We know better. It's always a reference to humans choosing to go their own way. It's just the pinnacle of basically doing whatever you want. And, and also the food that the Babylonians would have fed them were foods that the Israelites were instructed by God to either not eat or to, to watch how much you intake and to be careful about how much you intake. So Daniel, he chooses to trust God, and he makes the hard choice to stay disciplined because he says, hey, uh, I don't want that steak and wine. Uh, just give me some fruits, veggies, and water. And I don't know if you guys have ever tried to, like, be fit, but, hey, fruits and veggies and water is a great way to be disciplined. And he chooses to, to do that rather than cope and give in to the way of Babylon. And the funny thing is, is that he also calls his buddies into it too, right? Like he's like, hey, I'm not going to defile myself, and neither are they. And they're like, we're not, but steak. And Daniel's like, no, that's not for us. And they're like, okay, whatever you say, man, right? But he calls his friends to a higher standard. In the book of Hebrews, later in the Bible, there's Jewish followers of Jesus, and they've been thrown in exile as well, 600 years after the time of Daniel, and have had their lives ripped away by their Jewish ancestors. Uh, so Hebrews 12, 11, and this is, this is the author is writing to these people who are also in exile. He says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It says the discipline or training ourselves holistically to correct mistakes and control desires, it's not pleasant. It's painful. Like if, a, if you've ever broken a bone and it didn't heal correctly, they have to re-break the bone so it can heal correctly. And you can get your full range of motion. It's like that is not comfortable. It's, it's painful. It is not pleasant. And it's, discipline is not pleasant when you're terrified of swimming. Right? Like four-year-old me can tell you that. Discipline isn't pleasant when you can only eat fruits and vegetables and, and drink water, right? Daniel and his friends would have said that. And, and discipline certainly isn't pleasant 
when you're feeling deep down in the pit of a negative headspace, right? Like when you're feeling those things, it's like, man, the last thing I want is discipline right now. Like that's the last thing on my mind. So what do we do, though, when we're going through that painful situation, when your mind's angry and exhausted and grieving? We don't really want discipline. But do we choose to trust God in those moments? Do we choose to press in and choose to say, all right, God, I have no idea why you'd want me to be disciplined right now, but I'm going to choose to trust you. And so maybe you're like, hey, Nick, I would love to choose discipline, but uh, I don't even know what that looks like. Right? Like, I don't even know how to be disciplined in trusting God. So one of those things is just get to know the God who loves you and who created you and died for you by reading the Bible, right? Like put yourself around people who will teach you to read God's word and then read it and, and reflect on it throughout the day and just fill your mind up with the Bible. And, and you do this, you choose reading God's word over another episode, over scrolling on your phone for a couple 30 minutes, it's like, man, I think we could all say that we all have 15 minutes in a day that we could set aside to know God better. The God who loves you so dearly and made you and has great plans for you. That's what he says in his word. And it's like, well, how do I know that? <laughs> if we read God's word. That's a way we can be disciplined. Another one, uh, th something that we can do is we can pray and actually thank God for the things that are going well. And we can confess sin to him and ask him for the things that are on our hearts. Be like, God, I've had a really tough day. Like, I, just, I need you to give me peace. I need you to, to take control of this. And, and we be disciplined in the way that we think. Because we stop ourselves by spi from spiraling by going to God. Right? Like, it's a real way to have positive thinking. Because God actually has the power to give you peace and also has control over your circumstances. So when we say, God, like, I need you right now. Like, we get a chance to go to him. Another one, this one is just a lot more practical, like, just sit down and get yourself on a budget. Like, stop spending all of your money on yourself trying to cope and, and just give to people that are in need. And we choose to trust God with our money and say, God, the, I can have as much money as I want, but it's never going to solve all my problems. Might help. <laughs> but it's never going to solve all the problems. Some people, like, we just need to get healthy with our bodies, right? Like, we just need to take care of our bodies. If, like, if food is an issue for you, then, like, l just start eating healthier. Like, get uh, yourself on a plan and have someone hold you accountable to eating healthier. If you don't sleep enough, put your phone away. Put it in a, a different room. I've started doing that, and I cannot tell you the benefit that it has given to my sleep schedule. Right? Like, just put your phone in a different room. Get an alarm clock. They exist on Amazon for about $20. You can get one that, like, shakes the entire bed uh, if you're a heavy sleeper like me. Uh, it's real. It's, intense. it's actually for deaf people. That's what I need to wake up sometimes. I'm getting better. I'm growing. But right, like, get, a, get an alarm clock and just and get more sleep. Go to bed at a good time. Be disciplined. If you don't work out, then get a workout routine going. Because God designed our bodies to be taken care of and maintained. And a lot of people will think, man, God doesn't care, like, about my money or God doesn't care about my bodies. That is entirely not true. God created those things. He cares of how we're disciplined with them. He also cares about our soul and how we get to know him and are we pursuing the God of the universe. And it's a way that we trust God by choosing to take care of what he's made. But one of the biggest things that we can do of being disciplined in is by getting around other followers of Jesus. Like maybe you're here and you don't have anyone when you're going through a tough time that is actually going to push you to turn to God. Maybe you're just like, man, I'm just like, I'm just going to kind of go hang out with my friends, but they just kind of tell me to keep 
binging or keep coping with the same old things or like they just like push me back into this unhealthy relationship or they just put me push me back into coping with substances or like we just sit down and we watch somehow like six hours of a show it's like that we've already seen five times it's like how did this happen but but we need someone who's actually going to push us to be disciplined hebrews 13 3 says like this but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin, if you need a definition, is any time that we choose to go our own way rather than God. It's that Babylonian mindset of saying, I know better than God. And that's what sin is. And it's deceptive. Right? That's what the, it says it right there. It's deceptive. And a lot of us have bought the lie in so many areas of our lives. And we've chosen to think, man, yeah, sin is going to help me. I do know better than God. But what the Bible says, that in similar ways, if we bring this into the light and we tell the truth about our sin, that we'll be healed. It's James 5.16. It says if you confess your sins, you'll be healed. It's like, man, if I tell someone else the truth about my sin, so if I tell someone, hey, I've been letting my anger spiral. Like, I have been just really angry at this guy who cut me off in traffic. And like, hey, I want to confess that. I confess it to God, but I also want to share that with you as my brother in Christ. Like, and, and they'll be like, yeah, like, that's awesome. And there's a healing thing that comes when we bring these things into the light. When we bring these negative headspaces into the light. Really any kind of pain that's in our life, whether it's sin or otherwise, it, it, we find healing when we bring it out into the light. But that's a discipline because we have to be around people that are going to do that. And we have to be around people that are going to trust us or, and point us towards God. Because a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I just want to isolate and cope. Right, like swimming still to this day. They're like, wow, he's talking about swimming again. This must be traumatic for him. Really was. Really was. I don't know why. I love swimming, strangely. That's a strange thing. Right, but like I oftentimes when I go swimming, I don't want people to see me. Because I know that I'm not good at it. Right, and there takes a humility of being able to say, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing. Can someone teach me? It's funny, I have someone in my family who could literally do that. Right, but it's it, it just like, man, if we put in the work of getting disciplined, and doing these things. But coping just wants to draw us back into the dark, right? It just wants to draw us back and saying, hey, everyone get away. It's that Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline, it seems pleasant at the time, but painful. These are all painful things to do. It's hard to learn to read the Bible at first. I was there at one point. It, it was just like, man, I don't really know what's happening here. I don't really want to give up 15 minutes of sleep. I don't really want to give up 15 minutes of being on Instagram. Like, I just don't. But, like, I, I, it's good for me. I'm going to choose to do it because the, the turnout is so much better. Check out what this verse says. It says, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. This, this peace, righteousness, is another way to say upright living. And it comes from God. And it's literally a security. Like, that's how the Bible talks about these things. Peace is, is being able to wake up and not have your mind race every single morning. Peace is able to, to go to work and have a stressful day and not get home entirely wiped and angry. Peace is, is being able to go through a painful relationship breakup and not hate the other person and hate yourself as well. And, and what do you give control of your mind to? Do you give control of your mind to peace or to coping? Because, guys, if you just choose to trust God, he promises peace. It's a promise. He says, I will do this for you. If you choose to trust him. But we literally, we have to actively follow him. To take hold of the promises that he's promised us. And this is how it worked out for Daniel and the boys, right? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
like, how do you remember those names? Because I read it a lot, <laughs> right? And they have sweet names, or they have sweet uh, actors, so that helps. Let's think of the guys. Let's check out how it turns out for them. So it says, at the end of the 10 days, their appearance was better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who had been eating the royal delicacies. So the warden removed the delicacies and the wine from their diet and gave them a diet of vegetables instead. Now as for these four young men, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Guys, it says that they were in better shape. Their faces are literally more pleasant to look at, is actually how that translates. And they are ten times better at their job. Check this out. It says, at the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs, or Danny DeVito, uh, brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. They end up being ten times better at their job because they choose discipline. Ten times better. That's amazing, right? And so often we like, it's like, man, I don't want discipline. Like, I don't want that. Especially not in a painful situation like Daniel and the guys. And our feelings, they just crawl down in a pit and stay there. And in this verse, Hebrews 12, 11, it's, it's like, man, I don't want painful things right now. And then it goes on to just say what has got to be probably, like, just one of the most, like, face slaps of any verse in the Bible. It says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. It's like, ouch. Ow, that hurts. I don't have feeble arms. Like, my, are, my knees are not weak. But guys, if we're honest with ourselves... A lot of the ways that we deal with painful emotions, I've got feeble arms and weak knees. We all have feeble arms and weak knees in a lot of the ways that we deal with painful headspaces or negative headspaces. And it sounds so harsh, right? It's like, man, if I'm going through a tough time, why would, like, don't tell me to strengthen my feeble arms and my weak knees. That's not what I want to hear. But check out what it says as the result. And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. See, the point of discipline is not just to try harder. It's not just to to do more. It's not just to try to white knuckle it. It's to say, God, I'm going to choose to trust you because I know that you can heal me. And not only that, but God wants to heal you. Like, do you know that, that in, in, in your stressful circumstances, right, at work, in your relationships, in your finances, God literally wants to heal you if you'll choose to trust him with discipline. And it just brings a better path. It says it's a straight path. Straight paths are real easy to walk, right? Like most anyone can walk on those. I say most anyone because sometimes that's a hard thing for me too. It's hard to walk straight. I don't know why. But guys, it brings peace and it brings healing from God. God wants you to trust him by following him in day-to-day obedience, and it will bring healing to your headspace. It won't be pleasant, right? It's going to be painful. But it's going to bring a harvest of righteousness or upright living and peace if you allow yourself to be trained by God. Think back to to swimming, right? Like neither my brother-in-law or I can breathe underwater. Humans just cannot breathe underwater. There is always a reality that difficult circumstances will be difficult. Right, like it's not about making difficult circumstances go away. Those are going to come and they will be difficult. 
but my brother-in-law is at peace in the water. And I'm fighting it tooth and nail. And God is saying, if that we'll just choose to trust him, like if we'll choose to invest in reading his word and getting to know him, if we'll choose to pray more discipline and say no to the ways that we cope throughout our lives, if we'll choose to mostly just get around people that are going to push us to these things, right, God will bring about healing. I, w- I want to I take a moment to, to help you guys imagine this, right, to cast some vision for you guys. So the king goes to Daniel, Hananiah, and the other two. I'm not going to say their names because it's long. Sorry. Mishael and Azariah. I don't want to sell them short. But the king goes to them more than any other person for advice. Any other person in his entire kingdom, he chooses these four young men that came from a foreign land. Daniel is later put in charge of the entire kingdom. He is second only to the king. He goes from exiled captive to second in command. And imagine what God could do through you all. Right, like imagine if you, at your workplace, your boss came to you because he or she knew that they would give you, t- that you would give ten times better advice than any of your coworkers. And they thought, man, because that's a disciplined person. Because they trust God. Imagine if, if your friends came to you for relationship advice. Right, because they knew that you were going to give advice that was ten times better than anyone else. Because th- they knew and they saw the fruit of the discipline that you'd worked hard in in your life. Imagine if your family came to you for financial advice because they're like, man, we see the way you manage your finances and you do it 10 times better than anyone else because you're disciplined in it, right? And imagine if anyone around you came to you for spiritual advice because they saw that you loved God and they saw that you pursued him with all of your strength and all of your heart because you know that he loves you. And so people think, man, I want that. Like, I want that. And people can see that in us. And I get excited with a room like this. Like, we can be those people. Like, you all can go out of here and imagine the impact that you could have on Kansas City and on the U.S. and the world if you choose to be disciplined. Because that's the cool thing is, like, this will not just bring about a a healing for your headspace, right? Like, this could bring about healing in so many more other, in so many different people's lives and different situations Because you all will go out and you will have influence over people. And you can use that influence to help people if we just choose to be disciplined. But we got to know how to deal with those painful circumstances first. We got to learn how to actively work and go through our our headspace. But imagine what God could do through you all.